Growing Up Crazy bonus material. It's a Wednesday. Actually, no, today's Thursday. I mean, I made the recording on Wednesday. It's part of being at this job is that you get turned around on the days. The days are really meaningless here. The days are also meaningless when I'm at home. Uh, so my schedule is more defined by things that need to be done than it actually is any sort of timepiece, which personally I love. But it does make keeping tracks of things like do this on Thursday a little bit difficult for me. And so I was listening to what I recorded yesterday, you know, just trying to figure out what I was going to do with the bonus material, because I know there was a lot of things that I really wanted to get back into and left untouched upon there. And I also realized that I made a mistake. I made it sound like the the mirror incident and the Woods incident were one and the same, and or at least they occurred around the same time period. They didn't. The, I was about five or six when I had the, the, I want to call it a nebulizer, but I don't think that that's what it was called. It was just some sort of steam-generating machine, I just remember from being a child. And <laughs> this all does tie back to the original purpose of the Joe Dispenza. Uh, so I'm going to have to backtrack into a little bit of this. But the, the, what occurred in the vacant lot, actually, I was eight or nine at that time. And I misspoke, and I made it sound like it was all during the same year. That would have definitely been an exciting year if that had happened. But no, what it was, the point I was trying to make was that the, the mirror episodes opened up something within me. At least this is what I believe happened looking back. And then that that whatever opening was really cemented um, when I became just fully an aware individual, even though I was a very odd child. I, I didn't start school with anybody else. This is, <laughs> this is the funny part. I got the answer that nobody wants to hear from your mother. And I mean, it finally dawned on me. I didn't start school until the second grade. And uh, it finally occurred to me later, like almost as a teenager, I was like, Mom... Why was I held out of school for so long? And she looked at me, she's like, oh, you were special. <laughs> I rode the short bus. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I rode the short bus. And from what I remember from that time period, it was just wild and bizarre. Like, it was almost like I had no self-reflection. Um, it was just all trained on the outside. And, um, and in a very, uh, very etheric way. And uh, maybe some more growing up crazy stories will come from that time period, but not not many because there wasn't a lot of internal dialogue going on. I wasn't using descriptive language to really uh, define things, and because I wasn't using descriptive language, it's just impressions. The entire period is impressions. And um, another reason why I was kept out of school, I think possibly, was because I was born with my left arm paralyzed as well. And this ties back into Joe Dispenza. This is how I know Joe Dispenza isn't bullshit, is because early on I realized a way to recover from that when I was a kid. I knew that if I laid down flat on my back and I, I got into this space, and I, I knew this space well, Joe describes it now, I used to call it the void, because it feels like you're just consciousness floating in, in nothing. And now it'd be the space that I would work from. And Dispenza outlines it in his book very well but uh you get into it from a meditative state and i would just slip into it easily and i know if i went into that space and then it, i took the feeling of my right arm and i imagined it being on my left side like i imagined myself being symmetrical and i would really i would wait until i had the feeling of having a work functioning left arm and then i would just begin doing whatever range of motion i could while laying down on my bed and i just did this day after day after day over and over and over again until i regained control of the left arm and i still do it i i just did it uh it's part of my exercise routine now. I just did it yesterday afternoon. And every year I still regain a little bit more range of motion with my left arm. But uh, that was supposed to never have it whatsoever. That's what the doctor said. So I know that Joe Dispenza is true. And I know that, that 
miracles do happen. I do know you can create energetically before you can create physical, and the physical will follow the energetical. I realized that when I was a child. It's how I also got my first pet. I decided I wanted a snake. And I knew that if I, while conscious, while awake, while standing, if I went into that, that the void... And I held an image of what I wanted in my mind, and I would rock back and forth. <laughs> this is probably why. <laughs> this is probably why I couldn't go to school and why I was uh, special as a child. I can only imagine being an adult and just seeing your kid doing this and just having no clue whatsoever what the hell they were doing. But I remember because I and, and this was the level of faith. Gosh, I wish I could have the faith that I had as a child. This is like like. The Bible really is correct that if you have the faith of a child, you could move mountains. But when you're a child, really all you want is a pet snake. So I, I intended, first I knew I would have to have a place for it. So I intended the aquarium and I just would start walking. I walked down the street until I found a neighbor that had an aquarium in the garage and they just gave it to me. So I went home, I got some rocks, I had my aquarium. And I sat down and, and I, if I went into the void and then held the image of what I wanted and rocked back and forth and just started rolling around on the ground, holding all of my muscles as tight as I could and squinching my eyes as shut as I could. And I would just roll around like almost in a fit until I couldn't take it anymore. And then I would let go. I would just sprawl out across the ground and release the idea that I had held the whole time, um, it would happen. I would get it. And my mother would always attest to that. Like, she was always proud with her Christian friends. She was like, oh, Justin gets whatever he prays for. It's so amazing. Isn't God great? But never put the two and two together of, of rolling around on the floor like in, like like I was having epilepsy. And, um, or was it a seizure, you know? And, uh, but I remember just that's how I got my first snake. I did that. I had the image of the snake in the mind, exactly what I wanted, the red rat snake. And I, I did that. And then after it was done, I got up and, and walked out in the backyard and picked up my snake and put it in the aquarium. It, and there was no doubt in my mind that that would happen. So this gets ties into so that's Joe Dispenza. And also ties into the podcast as well because, um, as you can tell, that that sort of behavior wasn't wasn't well tolerated by society at large, including people and or friends or schools or and eventually parents or anything like that because after it it went from being viewed as as godly to being satanic and i'm not really quite sure what made that switch other than things are just rough and but and that roughness was also why i'm making this podcast now was because what i said was true you know it would have the room tossed because i was interested in spirituality from an early age and we'd have the room tossed like a prison cell and books would be shredded physically shredded page by page while the screaming ensued and and as i told you before and another thing i'm going to make a bonus material on is what people say about empathy what people say is about empathy doesn't really track with what i know of empathy because the screaming i remember as a child like i would feel it in my navel and 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 it's being projected outwards from people uh what people confuse as empathy now is almost like when they hurt themselves as a way to show solidarity. And that's not empathy. That's self-importance. When somebody's hurting themselves so that the other person doesn't have to suffer alone, you're making it about you. You're not, you're not helping anyone. Suffering plus suffering is just two times suffering. And if somebody's truly empathetic, the last thing they want when they're suffering is to feel more suffering. I can tell you that from personal experience. But we'll make another uh, bonus material about that. Jumping back with that, that created a kind of... Um, paranoia, a kind of hang-up of just being caught with anything to do with spirituality. It's also why I learned to wander around in parks where there was just no people. I equated spirituality around people with being punished. And, and of all of my 
phobias that developed from that year, that was one of the last ones to to really be addressed. And I finally realized that I that I had this in my thirties. And just up until a few years ago, I couldn't do what I'm doing right now. Like I could not have told you this story. I couldn't have mentioned it. I couldn't have recorded. It only existed inside of my mind. Only existed inside of my mind. One time I sat down to just begin dictating it for myself, for myself, and I, I couldn't do it. I just sat there holding a voice recorder, staring at it for hours. And before doing this, I went through the house and made sure all the doors were locked, all the windows were closed, all the blinds were drawn. I was sitting alone in my bedroom with the lights out, holding a voice recorder, and I couldn't speak these things that I'm telling you now. That was a few years ago. But as you can probably tell from the previous recordings, which my want is when I recognize I'm afraid of something, I go ahead and I just do it or, or make myself do it so I lose that fear. And that's the primary purpose of all of this, is really telling these stories. The secondary is in the hopes that maybe there's somebody else out there that it might find a younger person, you know, or, or somebody that also grew up with those experiences while younger and just hearing it said aloud from somebody else might help. Like I know how just reading this Joe Dispendo's book really helped, really helped massage that, that space in me that really now feels like there's somebody out there going after it, that it isn't just all fluff and nonsense or the product of a slipping mind, you know? And so that's what this is about, and that's what my childhood was like, and that's where I came up with all this stuff and why I'm doing this right now. And just wanted to record that as a bonus material. It'll be elaborated on further. There'll probably be future stories, uh, growing up crazy short stories about what happened during a lot of that time. But uh, this is the beginning of it. Bonus. Cheers. We'll do another one on uh, my take on... The whole empath narcissist duality that seems to be emerging in the in the this, the uh, the collective consciousness here, and why it confuses me. <laughs> All right, cheers, much love, growing up crazy, bye.